everybody welcome back to another episode of find your model health the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals i am your host i'm shemaine linney i am an integrative health practitioner nutritional therapist and certified iridologist i'm very happy to have you all back with me for another piece of your day Today, we welcome back a very special guest, Dr. Robert Dixon. Uh, many of you will hear me refer to Dr. Dixon as Dr. Bob. He was last on the podcast, I guess, 2017. You guessed sooner. But regardless, that was a great um, conversation. But a lot has happened between now and then regarding the fluoride conversation and Calgary's water. So I asked Dr. Bob, would he come back and kind of give us an update on the situation and what's going on there? Um, I will link our old conversation in the description once we're finished because in that conversation we went more in depth on like these are the issues the side effects and we might touch on that today but um dr bob thank you for coming back and gracing us with your presence my pleasure to be back nice to see you it's good to see you you look great so do you want to before we go on for the people that don't know you kind of just tell us who you are and your background yeah, I'll give you a quick one there. Um, I'm from Tofield, Alberta, which is up near Edmonton. Um, in, hmm, well, 49 years ago, I moved from Edmonton for six months to Calgary and never went back. And it's been a great move here. So I took my undergraduate here, which is in kinesiology. Um, then I went to paramedics at SAIT for two years. And that kind of got me in, let's say the back door into medicine. And so at 33 years old, I started medical school at the University of Calgary. It's one of the few places in Canada that would have me on board at that age. Now schools have opened up, medical schools have opened up more and they're taking more more mature students here, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was the best move I've ever made. Uh, it, it's been a great career, the best of my 13 for sure. Um, well, let's say up to the last three and a half years anyway. Mm-hmm. It's been a challenge since yeah. then. <laughs> um, but it's also been a challenge with the fluoridation thing. And because I've been leading or co-leading the anti-fluoridation movement in Calgary and across Canada for about uh, 24 years now. That's a long time. It is. So so just a little background there. We've had uh, seven plebiscites in Calgary. The first four back in the 60s and 70s defeated water fluoridation narrowly uh, with a lot of animosity and polarization. Mm. And then in 1989, my formerly good friend, Dr. David Swan, who used to also be the head of the Liberal Party of Canada and was a medical officer of health back in the day, he brought fluoridation into Calgary. And um, so it was um, it passed narrowly in 1989. And so it took them two years to build the infrastructure because it's highly toxic and will eat through almost anything you put it on, like wood and concrete and <laughs> carpets and whatever plastics most of plastics and um so in 1991 we had first the first fluoridation in calgary now compared to like red deer that started in 1959 fluoridated fluoridating or in edmonton it was uh, 1967 and then lethbridge was about that same time 1967 so um medicine hats never fluoridated and calgary hadn't fluoridated until that point and so 1991 they turn on the fluoridation taps and the activists in town, some of my activist friends, actually, uh, were fighting against it. And um, I didn't know that much about it. So um, in 1998, uh, they actually pushed the city of Calgary to have another plebiscite. And they pushed the city of Calgary to have another expert panel. Well, <clears throat> expert panels are I mean, right across the whole science spectrum are dubious, to say the least. Uh, if I was to cho- choose an expert panel or if uh, the head of the Florida Action Network in, in New York was to choose an expert panel, Florida would be gone from this planet forever. But if you get the Medical Officer of Health from Calgary to choose the expert panel and the O'Brien Institute at the University of Calgary to choose it, they're all rabid pro-fluoridationists. So guess what? Four of the five people on the expert panel are going to be rabid pro-fluoridationists and the other guy's not going to know anything about it. Yeah. So that's what happened in 1998. And uh, interestingly enough, the, the fifth person who was a statistician um, 
he didn't know anything about fluoride. And so he looked at all the literature that was provided and uh, he said, this is crazy. Why are we doing this? Uh, well, the other four said, you're outvoted. It's four to one against water for water fluoridation. And so uh, we recommended that the city continues with their fluoridation program and that maybe they lower the dose a little bit to point to 0 0.8 parts per million from one point. Oh, a safer dose, you mean? Safer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah safer <laughs> dose. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, as we'll get into later, there is no safe dose of fluoride. Um, so then came the plebiscite, 1998. I voted for it. My activist friends came to me and said, why'd you do that? And I went, well, I don't have time to look at everything of the thousand things that come across my desk every week as a busy family doc. And uh, so I voted for it because Alberta Health said it was great. And they had these glitzy brochures and pamphlets and uh, emails and all. And um God forbid they would lie to us. Like that. Oh, no, no, they wouldn't do that. So they said it was good, so I voted for it. And so did Health Canada said, and the Public Health Association of Canada said it was good, and uh, Canadian Dental Association, the Dental Association, you know, the players. They all said it was great. So I voted for it. And so my activist friend said, well, maybe you should look at the literature. So I took that as a challenge, and I did. And um, my goodness, I said, uh, I said stronger word than that, actually, but... Um, I, after a couple of weeks, I went, ah, I made a big mistake here. What am I going to do about it? So I looked around and no one seemed to be saying anything or doing anything about fluoride. So I went to my um, mentor at the University of Calgary Medical School, Dr. James Beck, who is a PhD uh, in biophysics and uh, an MD. He's one of the founders of the medical school. And he's one of my mentors throughout medical school. So um, I went to Jim and said, what do you know about water fluoridation? He says, water what? He didn't know anything about it. And uh, even though we're fluoridated in Calgary. And I said, well, would you mind looking at the literature? And so he says, yeah, I'm glad to do it. I'm retired now. Mm. So he took a good look at the literature. This is a scientist. This is a doctor and a scientist. And uh, again, a couple of weeks later, we met and he said, Dr. Bob, we got to do something about this. This is awful. This is, you know, we're, we're causing a lot of harm and it doesn't do any good. I said, well, yeah, I know that now. So what should we do? And uh so, and then I said, well, Jim, why don't we team up and um, see if we can do something about this? And he said, sure, no problem. This should be done in three or four months with all the good science we have behind us. This was 1999. <laughs> so fast forward, 12 years later, it took us to convince city council to take it out without a plebiscite. They looked at the science and they uh, they based it on a few things, a decision not to fluoridate, but it was because there was some good science and a lot of doubt out there as to efficacy and safety. And also, um, they said, I'll have to paraphrase Brian Pincott, but he said something about as city councillors, we're not scientists. And we can't be expected to look at realms of science on both sides on every issue. But he says, what we're good at is looking at things, are they ethical and moral? And are they good for our citizens? And he said, on that basis, we can definitely make a decision that water fluoridation is not a good thing for the citizens of Calgary. What year was that that he said that in? That would be 2010. And okay. then the vote came early 2011. And we actually won that vote 10 to 3 in city council. And um, Nahid Nenshi was gone out of town. He would have voted for it. And then Brian Pincott was the fellow that said that statement was out of town too, and he would have voted with us. So there would have been, uh, instead of 10 to 3, it would have been 11 to 4 if the whole council would have been there. But that's a pretty overwhelming vote in councils that are kind of themselves polarized and, and uh, having a struggle looking at a lot of issues and often pass things 8 to 7 or yeah. 9 to 6. We went at 10 to 3. Yeah, that's a big difference. So they turned off the top. May of, of uh, 2011, and we have not had water fluoridation in Calgary since then, and we still don't, despite um, in 2019, uh, we had a big present, well, we had the, the full day down at City Hall, and uh, I brought in experts from different parts of the United States and Canada, um, and we were just railroaded through that. The pro fluoridation has controlled that entire day. It was a nine to nine. So it's a 12 hour day at city council and they controlled the whole thing from start to finish. And uh, so at the end of that city council said, well, we're not going to vote on it right now, but what we'll do is um, we'll, uh, we'll have, we'll strike a committee and they'll have a look at it and see if we should maybe have a plebiscite about it. And that's what they decided. They decided to have a plebiscite in October 18th of 2021. 
So just over two years ago, we had the plebiscite along with our last civic election. I think you folks in Airdrie uh, elected a city council at the same time. I think so. Yeah. Both because I'm on your resident block. Uh -huh. So um, we campaigned really hard and well, and uh, we used, we had a social media company from the U.S. We delivered this brochure mm -hmm. to 200, no, 400, 410,000 Calgary homes. And it's got good science on the back. Um, so you notice it's got one of the top dentists in Canada right here. I better not show them too quickly because the day after we delivered this to 410,000 Calgary homes, the Alberta Dental Association, Association came to Dr. Craig, we'll call him. That's not his last name. And um, they said, you either get taken off this and get uh, dissociated with uh, Safewater Calgary off their website. Our website is www.safewatercalgary.com. And uh, you either you know, dissociate yourself from them or you lose your license and your living very lucrative practice. Yeah, your whole living, basically. And he went, uh, but, 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 and he's fought with them before. And that really made him angry, but he had to do it. He had to take himself away, he had to distance himself. So if you look on our website, www.safewatercalgary.com, you'll see the same brochure, but there'll be a, a blank white space right there. Funny how they have a way of doing that, making you do <laughs> stuff, saying you you can't provide for your family if you don't abide by the rules. Right? Yeah, it's and it's our rules. ethical it's to me. It's our rules. It's not yours. It's our rules. And you got to abide by our rules or you're gone. We'll take you out. Mm. It happens way too often these days, sad to say. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there, there we went. So, um, as I say, we ran a really good campaign for entire 2021. Um, I had about 20 people on my executive committee. And, um, yeah, we uh, had social media. We had uh, the pamphlet I showed you, the flyer. We had the street signs. We had thousands of street signs out. But um, we probably outspent the uh, Calgarians for Kids' Health, the the, the pro-fluoridation side that's run by Juliet Gishon, the unethical ethicist at the University of Calgary. But um, we outspent them in like sort of dollar to dollar on the ground here. But if you factor in what Alberta Health Services spent, what the Canadian Medical Association, the uh, Canadian Dental Association, the Alberta Dental Association, all those people spent in advertising and social media and pamphlets, uh, it'd be into the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, might, might be seven figures into the millions of dollars. But anyway, hundreds of thousands of dollars at least. So we're kind of the, the little David against the huge Goliath. And I still thought we could pull it off because we have the science, we have the common sense. And, but anyway, we got whacked there. We got beaten soundly 62 to 38% in that plebiscite. Hmm. So to the councillors, especially the new councillors, of which there's about nine elected in that, nine or 10 maybe, one new mayor and nine councillors, I guess. Hmm. New councillors elected out of the 14. Um, to them, the people have spoken. That's all they have to say. They don't have to know anything about fluoride, about the issues, about pros or cons. They just say, the people have spoken and we're voting for it. And when you say the people have spoken, that's 62% that voted for fluoridation in the plebiscite. And the plebiscite, by the way, was buried at the uh, bottom of page one, so a lot of people missed it. And it was also poorly worded, worded kind of towards the positive side. Mm. But um, that 62% equates to about 25% of eligible voters, and it, that that Takes, you take that down to about 12 or 13% of all Calgarians. That includes kids and, and people that don't vote. So, um, yeah. So 12% of Calgarians say that we have to have one of those toxic chemicals in the world in our public water. But chances are they're not fully educated on it. Like you said, they maybe twisted the language a little bit to make it sound like a good idea. Um, chances are nobody is educated on it because we're not allowed to speak in public on fluoridation. Well, I shouldn't say public. Well, I guess so, because uh, the College of Physicians and Surgeons is trying to take my license away for my anti-fluoridation activity. That's been four and a half years now. I just got informed a couple of weeks ago that I'm to face the major tribunal in the College of Physicians and Surgeons in a couple of months. That is highly stressful. You just get raked over the coals and attacked there. So I'm not really looking forward to that one, but at least after four and a five, four and a half, or it's going on to five years, actually, be five years in January. 
And uh, I'm not looking forward to that at all. Well, our prayers will be with you on that one. And hopefully we can gather some more support through this conversation now. Yeah, that would be nice. And we can touch on that at the end, who we can actually send to and talk to. So what are the next steps? Is it the intention in June of 24, I think I read, is that's when they intend to bring the fluoride back in? Yes, it was supposed to be in. So so they passed right away, as soon as we lost that vote, um, the plebiscite, the very first issue they dealt with in the new with the new city council on November 15th of 2021 was the fluoridation issue because that was pushed by the pro-fluoridationists. They didn't want us to get any more of these neurotoxicity studies in front of them. They didn't want us to have any traction at all. They just pushed it in and pushed the new councillors to vote for it. So in November of 2021, they passed a motion saying that, yes, we're going to fluoridate again. We lost that vote 13 to 2. And some of the counselors just, um, they were given good talking points and good uh, science, and they didn't speak up at all. So we lost 13 to 2. So that motion passed to restart water fluoridation and to give them 10, give Waterworks, Calgary Waterworks, $10 million to rebuild the infrastructure for fluoridation. So that's a lot of money, but they said that's in our slush fund. It's not going to raise taxes at all. And uh, so off they went. And that's, and then they didn't want to hear anything more about it ever again. So fluoridation is still in the water. They projected the start date to be from that November of 2021. Um, but they projected it to be probably in spring of 2023. Well, that's long past. And then they said fall of 2023. Well, that's gone by or that's where we're at now. And then they said um, April, as you mentioned, of uh, 2024. But I talked with the head of Waterworks not too long ago and he alluded that it will probably be November of 2024. And guess what? They give them an extra $18 million in July to <laughs> rebuild the infrastructure. So not 10, 10 million, but 10 plus 18 to make $28 million of taxpayers' money to put a toxin in our water. Wow, I said. So, so not only is it taking more time, it's more than double the amount of the money they intended. It's triple. it's triple the amount of money. And I'm betting it won't even be in by November. Remember, this will be another delay or two, and I bet it'll be more than $28 million as the final tab, too. Well, there's kind of a silver lining to that that gives us more time to <laughs> potentially fight back and also stack conditions in our favor. Yeah, that's the only silver lining. You're right. So that's where we are right now. And um, that extra $18 million in July kind of fired me up again. And uh, even though that none of the counselors, well, I should say none, we had a meeting with Dan McLean, um, what's today, Wednesday, last Thursday, had a meeting with um, the Ward 1 staff, that's Sonia um, Sharp and her staff, um, that's my counselor, met with them a week ago today. We could go yesterday anyway. Um, and, but they just don't want to hear about it. They just go, Oh, you know, that's just old news. And uh, if you want to do anything about water fluoridation, wait till the 2025 election and vote us out. Um, essentially Dan McLean though, he professed some interest and he gave us some ideas like, you know, water is a sacred thing for the uh, indigenous people. Why not uh, gather some indigenous folks around you and, and go from that angle that water is sacred and you're putting a poison, a toxin in our water. Um, I, I know I've talked to Chief Lee Crowchild from Sutina, and he's not in favor of water fluoridation at all. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that might be an angle we can take. The other one we tried to take early on was that, um, you know, if you're going to put a known neurotoxin, a known brain damager in the city water, um, why don't you at least tell pregnant women not to drink it and not to, if they're going to bottle feed their kids, not to make the formula with fluoridated water, because those are the studies right out of Canada. So we've had five or six studies over the last six years from Canada, from the uh, Element and the Myrac cohorts of, of thousands of families and kids across Canada. And they pulled the data out of that. And it's between a three and 15 point IQ loss in kids from neurotoxicity, brain damage. I mean, that is just unfathomable to me, how you could actually think of putting that in the water and then at uncontrolled dose and dosage, drink as much as you want, take as much as you want, folks, even though that little tube of toothpaste that um, I may have one in my bag if you want, but right on the back of it is the um, warning that if your child takes their toothbrush, puts that little bit of toothpaste on it, and if they swallow that or more, 
take them immediately to the hospital, to emergency, or phone poison control center. But guess how much how much fluoride is in that, that little bit of, of toothpaste there? It's pretty concentrated, but it's the same amount as in one glass of fluoridated water. So that amount, you take them to poison control center or the emergency, this amount, eh, drink 10, 20 a day, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Poof. You know, it's way over your your high limit, your toxic dose, but we're not going to worry about that. Mm. This is still (laughs) non-fluoridated. This is a real concern, not just with the brain health aspect and the physical side, but the mental health issues are going through the roof right now. Like, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And for people to think that this is not playing a part, it's very naive. Like, uh, well, it's not playing a part in Calgary because it's not in the water right now, but it is in some places for sure. And like the United States is 73% fluoridated. So does that have um, an effect on the overall well-being and uh, thought processes of Americans? Yeah, probably. These mass shootings and all the other madness that's happening. I mean, you you really should think, and regardless if it's in the water or not, we're still getting exposure to it in Calgary. People can choose you use fluoride or Listerine or take the fluoride at the dentist. And I agree with that. That's your choice. You do yes. that. I choose to not use fluoride in mine. And when we go to the dentist, we say, no, thank you. We don't need yes. the fluoride. That's freedom of choice. Please do not push your agenda on me because I am my own person and I stand by that across the board on every decision. You do you, I do me. Uh, Of course, doing what I do, I work with a lot of sick people on every level. And let me tell you, people are very, very sick nowadays. And it's just, it's... (laughs) It's mind blowing some days when I look around and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening when it comes to, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I do want to get to the reasoning, like what is their reasoning for this being okay? Part of it from our previous conversation was the cavity aspect of things. Look, I don't believe that that's bull in my opinion. You're looking at cavities, stop drinking the juices, stop eating the sugar, stop drinking the pop, tell your child to brush their teeth properly. I have children. Like, come on, people, let's not use this as an excuse. And if the council is so concerned, why don't they hand out fluoridated toothpaste to children in the school or on the corners who want it? My child will say no, but why are you trying to force something on me that I do not want? Exactly. There's so many better ways to deal with fluoride and with teeth and topically gels, foam sealants, whatever. There's tons of ways to deal with it without swallowing and ingesting it, which doesn't do any good and which does harm and harm to a lot of different places. So we just go through that quickly. That calcifies the pineal gland in the brain. It drops IQ in younger kids, babies and kids, like we mentioned, three to 15 points. And by the way, lead was um, taken out by having one IQ point drop. So lead's been written right out, zero level of lead is safe. And uh, that was a one point population decrease in IQ. Well, fluoride, here we've got at least three points, if not five, seven, even up to 15, if they're heavily feeding, bottle feeding with fluoridated water. And like you said, all the foods out there, a lot of them packaged processed foods, um, some of the pops and drinks and things, they have fluoride too. So we get it from a lot of different sources. But the major source is water fluoridation for those cities that are fluoridated. And that's why they're going to have more problems than we have here until we start fluoridating again, if we do. Well, now we have a lot of health problems, but you introduced this and I guarantee you we're going to have a lot more. I know you agree let alone one of the hot topics with women being hypothyroidism. The research is there. People, well, I suppose the council can argue it, but the research is there. Oh, no, 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 no. They can't argue it. They don't want to argue it. They're not going to argue it. They can't because the research is there. The science is there saying that 20% of women that are low in um, iodine are very susceptible to the the enzyme blocking properties of fluoride. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's... It's a neuroendocrine inhibitor, so it does not do well with 20% of women at least. So, okay, we started at the brain, pineal gland, IQ, thyroid gland. It's not very good for kidneys. Anybody that is has any kidney disease at all should not be anywhere near fluoride. Uh, bones, it makes bones thicker 
but more fragile and easier to break. And actually, that's what it does to the teeth in the long term, too. It makes the teeth harder, so initially they might be more resistant to bacteria. But over the long term, it makes them more fragile and easier to break. So if you look at the highest fluoridated states in the U.S., like Kentucky, for instance, is 99% fluoridated. But they have the highest edentulous rate in the United States, which means loss of teeth, edentulous loss of teeth. So Kentucky, highest fluoridated, highest edentulous rate. Guess which state has the lowest edentulous rate? Hawaii that has the lowest fluoridation rate. <laughs> oh, that's just a coincidence, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so many things. So we've got the bones, gut, the gut microbiome, a lot of new, I mean, I'm sure you're doing a lot of work on that and helping a lot of people with their gut microbiome. Well, fluoride is really hard on the gut microbiome, which is the second brain of the body, basically. So not good for that. So not good for anything. Just to Just while people are listening, once you mess with the gut microbiome, now you start impairing your ability to detoxify and regulate your hormones as well. And a lot of hormone talk in my community lately and heavy metals. People don't realize that fluoride is considered a heavy metal as well. And when people ask about how do I detoxify heavy metals? A lot of the talk is around the mercury and the aluminum, or as I say, aluminium. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that fluoride helps to carry a higher concentration of alu aluminium, aluminum into the brain. So it helps aluminum cross the blood brain barrier at a higher concentration. And of course, aluminum connected to Alzheimer's, all different states of dementia, brain yep. fog, all that fun stuff. Like this is not just one element that's isolated. This is big. It's such a tiny aggressive ion. You're right. It crosses the blood brain barrier and it also crosses the placental barrier. That's why that the pregnant women drinking fluoridated water will have that IQ drop in their new babies. So yeah, it's, um, and the other thing is it's not necessary for a single body function. It's not a vitamin. It's not a nutrient. And it's, um, it's it's nothing that's good for you, um, but it is a medicine. It's been proved in the federal courts, confirmed under under oath here recently in the United States uh, federal court that fluoride is a medication, but it's not approved as medication for water anywhere in the U.S. or Canada or Australia or New Zealand, anywhere that fluoridates. It is not approved as medication. So we're actually dumping a toxic element into our city water, and even that the the toxic element is not improved for. Uh, putting in, in public water. It's, it doesn't have the approvals for that. So we're putting an unapproved toxic substance in our public waters. And um, it's not, it's, it's a medicine. We're using it to treat dental caries. So just back to the reasoning, like what is the reasoning? What are they saying the pros are? Is it just the Children's Health Alliance? Well, not Robert Kennedy's, but you know no. what I mean? Who, who is saying this is a good idea and why? Kennedy's strongly against fluoridation, by the way, Robert Kennedy. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's the bigs that have been doing everything for the last few decades. Um, it's big pharma, it's uh, big chemical, um, so it's all the major corporations like Pfizer, Johnson Johnson, um, Colgate. They make uh, over twenty billion dollars a year mm. on fluoride products. So that's their toothpaste, their gels, rinses, foams, all those sorts of things. So they don't have a direct. Um, connection to water fluoridation, except that if water fluoridation goes down, their profits, fluoride is going to get a bad name right across the board and their profits and sales are going to go way down too. So they realize that. So they fund almost all of the dental schools in the United States and they fund almost all the research on fluoride in the United States. And guess what? If you're paid as a medical researcher to um, by a, a, a specific interest, your study's probably going to come out in their favor. And if it doesn't, it doesn't get published or it gets buried or it doesn't get talked about. So, yeah, the bigs are controlling all the um, the information, the studies, the mm. data. So, they're so, they, so they, yeah, it's not ethical at all. So they say, well, it helps the poor kids. You know, they tug on the heartstrings. It's good for the poor kids because the poor kids have these mouths full of rotten teeth. Well, it's mostly baby bottle decay. So it's the upper teeth, not the lower teeth. If you look at the, the pictures that they show and if just the upper teeth are rotting, it's not 
to do with lack of fluoridation or anything else. It's to it's to do their bad diets and and um, having juices and uh, other sugary drinks in their sometimes even Coca Cola in their baby bottles. Mm. So it, it's poor dental care, um, lack of dental care, poor, poor diet, all those things. And they say, well, it helps the poor kids by decreasing their cavities by twenty five percent. Well, that's the best study that they've ever done. And that that 25% comes out to half a cavity a lifetime. And was that study only done on poor kids, the kids that already had the propensity for cavities? Um, no, that was done across the board in the States. There was hundreds of thousands of um of, of kids in that study, that major one that came out that that quotes the 25% or, but so, so they advertise it as, as 25% decrease in cavities, which, you know, that, that's significant, really, if you talk about 25% of anything, that's a fairly large amount. But when it, when you roll it out, it equates to one half to one cavity, a lifetime. So we're going to toxify kids' brains. We're going to whack their thyroids. We're going to affect their, well, we didn't even talk about the heart, but it does affect the cardiovascular system, affect their kidneys, their bones, every cell, every organ, every system in the body to save half a cavity a lifetime. Huh. Wow. But you know, if I was one of these big companies, and I'm just saying if I was, and I could make a lot of money by selling fluoride, but then the ripple effect throughout society makes society sicker and sicker and sicker and mental health issues and needing thyroid medication. And I happen to be the provider of all this medication. Then I basically have, a, a, in my scenario, like a, a client, a patient for life who's always going to need my products. But I'm not a big pharma and I don't own, but I'm just thinking this could be a good business for me because it seems very profitable. Captive audience. Centuries. Captive audience. Oh, the other damage we didn't talk about too is fluorosis. That's the only one they'll admit that, oh yeah, there's some fluorosis, but it's just mild. The kids like having these little spots in their teeth. It's kind of cool. Well, no, if, if you find a kid with lots of white or brown spots in their teeth, they don't smile. It really affects their life and it affects their self-esteem. And now if you look at the NHANE studies, that's the CDC, the Center for Disease Control out of the States. Their studies over the last 20, 25 years is just going up and up and up. And the fluorosis right now in teens, 11 to 15 years old is who they study mostly in the States. And the fluorosis rate, so that's damage to teeth from fluoride, from too much fluoride, is now over 80%, 80% of teens. And, you know, they're sort of right, like 80% of that 80% is um, mild fluorosis. So it's probably more on the back teeth, um, maybe a couple little spots in the front. It's not going to, you don't have to do anything with it. But 20%, and if you look at all the millions of 11 to 15-year-olds in the States, that's a lot of kids. 20% will have either moderate or severe fluorosis. And both of those are usually or have to be treated. And the, mod the severe fluorosis can actually destroy the teeth. So they all have to be replaced. So it can be, I have one dentist downtown here, I told me he treated two oil patch kids when we were fluoridated. Wealthy family, they spent $70,000 each on their teenage kids for their teeth. Or damage with fluoride. Probably be cheaper to get dentures for that price. <laughs> yeah, well, they might have to at some point, but no, for kids, you don't want to give them dentures at that age. <sighs> so another thing to look at is um, they tell us in Calgary, well, we're behind the times here, you know, like everybody in the world's Florida. And what's with you backwards people, you cowboys in Calgary, you know, you know it's, you, you're not up in the latest science, you're not up to speed. Well, if you look at the facts, 98% of those people to the west of us, B.C., 98% are not fluoridated. Quebec, they're more progressive with some things at least. And 99% of Quebec is not fluoridated. And our anti-fluoridation people are taking the city of Montreal to court as we speak with an injunction to stop the last two little parts of, uh, of Montreal, the two little subdivisions of Montreal that still fluoridate. So Quebec could be 100% not fluoridated in the very near future. Europe Europe's more progressive in a lot of things. 97% of Europe hasn't been fluoridated for decades. Mm -hmm. And they go, blah, blah, well, it's in the salt, it's in the milk, whatever. Yeah, well, 0.15% of people drink milk that's fluoridated. And, you know, salt, you got your choice and hardly anybody drinks fluoridated salt or uses fluoridated salt, mm. consumes it. So, yeah, 95% of the world is not fluoridated. So we're not behind the times. We're in the vast majority here in Calgary.
I'm just curious, has our new premier been kind of informed of this or has she had anything to say? Oh, yeah. Danielle and I have had some run-ins before on fluoride. When she was uh, the uh, moderator of her program on QR radio for several years, she actually ran a pretty good program. I don't know if you ever listened to her QR radio. I heard it once or twice. Don't yeah. She's a pretty good interviewer. And um, so the first time she interviewed me uh, about four or five years ago, uh, she was pretty on side with anti-fluoridation. And we had a, a good interview. And then the second time was in 2021 and um, before our plebiscite. And I don't know, I think someone had got to her. And so she had swung more to a, I guess, more of a more neutral stance. But she sort of dominated the conversation, didn't let me talk a lot about the neuroscience and, um, uh, you know, sort of managed that that interview that I couldn't get a lot of the information out. But was it right around the same time when she was pushing back about the mandates and stuff? Like, that's a bit strange. No, that was well before that. That was when she had still sworn never to put a, her foot in the medical or in a political arena ever. <laughs> she swore that in 2015 when she crossed the floor and lost her her seat in uh, Parliament, and uh, she said, uh, "Never again, uh, never going to run for office again." And her husband said, "Well, that's good because if you do, I'll divorce you." <laughs> and uh, now they're both back in it full time. But um, you know. Some people criticize her for that. Oh, you can't trust her or whatever. I actually think that's a big thing because for a public servant to admit that they're wrong is one of the hardest things on the planet. And she admitted she was wrong. She apologized to the people for what she did and the people that were mostly affected in her, in her own parties. And, um, and she turned it around and she's grown up a lot and matured. And um, I'm actually in favor of quite a few of the things that she's doing now. Maybe you should have another conversation with her. Yeah. So medical freedoms. I was at the UCP AGM uh, a weekend or two ago. And um, yeah, it was it was very interesting. And not all the policies I agree with. And that's one of the reasons why I was there, to speak up against the things I don't agree with, but also to push for the things and, that I do agree with. And so there's medical freedoms in there. There is also putting um, Alberta Health Services and the College of Physicians and Surgeons back in their lane and their track. So they're not pursuing people like me or other people that speak out about things like the viruses or um, the narratives or anything that's out there. So um yeah, there's there's uh, there's several really good policies, really strong policies in there. Was it there doesn't mean high, it's going to be law. Was there a high percentage in your company at the conference that were on your side or would agree with you with medical freedom? Do we have some hope there? Medical freedoms, uh, freedom to for doctors to speak out and to not be harassed by the College of Physicians and Surgeons or about our health services. Those were, there's 3,800 people there, and I think 3,795 put up their yes cards for that one. Mm -hmm. It might have been two or three people in the back there that said no. Overwhelming. <laughs> I stood up for 30 seconds and gave my little piece, and I think I got the loudest cheer of any policy speaker there. Um, yeah, it was very interesting. So uh, the the party... The AGM was totally in favor of medical freedoms, uh, personal freedoms, um, doctors' freedoms. Um, yeah, they're, they're, it was very progressive. So those aren't those are policies. Those are just policy recommendations, and so we shall see what happens if those ever make it to the the floor in the legislature. Well, hopefully, well, yeah. I, I know we're kind of on the same page of what happened through through the whole. So we won't say pandemic, we'll say event that happened through 2020 to 22. How about the narrative? We can talk about the narrative. Yeah, I was only reminded the other day when I was thinking over the events of my last year that it was only January 23 this year that the states removed the vaccine mandate to cross for travel. It, in a lot of people thought it was years ago it wasn't it was only a couple of months ago yeah did you say january yeah it was january it was may it was may well may yes because it was it was <laughs> january to me because i'll tell you why because we hadn't gone on vacation in so long that i was saying okay i'm gonna hold out till january and if they don't make a move i'm going to europe and they didn't and i went to uh 
I ended up going to the Netherlands and France because the states hadn't opened the border. Right. Everybody else in the world did, but the states didn't, which is strange because they've been more progressive in some of the narrative things. But anyway, um, such such as it is. And and their fingers are on the button ready to reinstall those um, mandates. And so are Canadian fingers on the button ready. Well, didn't I see Ontario just announced that they're now remandating masking in uh, some hospitals and residential care and care for the elderly? I saw that earlier somewhere. Alberta's done that too, just recently. Yeah, yeah masks. And there's there's over 150 studies that show how ineffective masking is in any sort of setting. So, anyway, back to the fluoride topic here. Just a couple other points. Wouldn't mind covering. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the better and safer ways that give personal choice to fluoride. And you and I are both totally on side with that one, for sure. Um, one of the things that the pro-fluoridationists say that is wrong, they say, well, there's natural calcium fluoride in almost all our water. That's true. Uh, in almost all the Earth's crust and almost all in all the groundwaters around the world, there's natural calcium fluoride bound very tightly. Calcium and fluoride bind tightly. So if we ingest that, a lot of it doesn't unbind. It's just flushed through the body by our kidneys. Um, but if you put hydrofluorosilicic acid in the water, which they do in almost every city in North America, that comes out of the waste stacks of the fertilizer industry. And they're not allowed in those industries to put this toxic stuff out into the environment, so into the air. They're not allowed to put it into the ground or into the rivers, lakes, or streams. They're not allowed to put it anywhere. So what did they do? They went, what if we convince people it's good for kids' teeth and then could put it in public water and dispose of it that way, and they'd actually pay us for it? instead of us having to pay to dispose of it. So big end around there by, by industry. But natural calcium fluoride is still toxic. So in our Bow River here in Calgary, on the north side where I live, we have 0.2 parts per million. And in the elbow system on the south side, they have 0.3 parts, give or take 0.3 parts per million of calcium fluoride. So the pro-fluoridation is say, oh, we're just topping that up to zero point. It used to be 1.2, then it was 1.0, and then it was 0.8 parts per million. Now it's 0.7 parts per million. So we're just topping up the natural calcium fluoride. Well, if you've got a poison in there or toxin, you don't necessarily have to top it up. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't be. So um, fluoride has been has been rated or graded now and proven to be as toxic as arsenic, as lead, and as fluoride. They're all the same, same toxicity level. So do we want to put lead or arsenic back in our water? No, because it's proven to be neurotoxic and damaging to the body. Do we want to put fluoride in that's equivalent to lead and arsenic and, arsenic and toxicity? No. <laughs> Why do we do that? Mm. And the one thing we haven't touched on is dose, dose and dosage. I mentioned it briefly earlier, but so, so you say you're about half my size. So if you drink 10 glasses of water and I drink one, you're getting 10 times the dose as I am, right? Because mm, I'm smaller, yeah. No, just because you're drinking 10 glasses of water. Mm. So that's the dose. The dose of you got this certain amount in this glass of water, you got a certain amount of fluoride. And if I drink one glass, I'm getting that much. If you drink 10 glasses, you're getting 10 times that. So if you're drinking 10, I'm drinking one, you're getting 10 times the dose. But you're half the weight of me. So dosage is amount of milligrams of the drug that you're consuming per kilogram of body weight. So you're getting, again, twice as amount. So you're getting actually 20 times the dosage of fluoride that I would be getting because you're half the weight. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, because I'm getting a higher concentration because I'm smaller. But then if you yeah. add in people that have liver issues, kidney issues, hypothyroidism, oh. poor circulation, mm -hmm. obesity, where we store fluoride and heavy metals in fat cells, mm -hmm. that then increases the concentration even more. That's correct. And guess who's damaged the most by the harms of fluoridation? Babies, children, the disadvantaged the poor, people of color, people of color are damaged more by toxins in their system. So <laughs> you're trying to help the poor and not by putting a poison in the water, that's for sure. Yeah. And just for because I know people are going to be very interested. This has been awesome so far. I just want to elaborate. We've specifically said putting fluoride in your water. How many people 
are giving their animals tap water? How many people water their garden with their water? How many people are growing their own vegetables now and they're watering their own garden with tap water? Now, yeah. not only do you have the elemental fluoride in the soil naturally, now you're adding this chemically altered hybridized fluoride into your grass that your baby's playing in, into your vegetables that you're growing because you want to be self-sustainable. The, the water barrel, the rain barrel, this is going into the rivers. This is going everywhere. This is not just in our water as we think of in our bottle or our glass. Yeah. This is everywhere. It's so, ubiquitous. Yeah, and, and I just want to drive that home because there is a huge trend now towards self-sustainability and growing your own food and getting back into mother nature and grounding and all of that you will not be able to avoid this if they put it in the water even if you go out and you buy reverse osmosis you will not be able to avoid this that's true you'll, you'll avoid a lot of it though you'll avoid enough to stay healthy most likely but there's two points that come out of your statement there. One is that, yes, it's ubiquitous and, and we get it from a lot of different sources. But the other one is, is that about 95 to 99% of water is not consumed. So say if you had a good drug, like it was going to make everybody um, slim and healthy and uh, um, you know no heart problems and whatever. And so you put it in the water. Well, you're still not controlling the dose or dosage and about 95 to 99% of it's flushed down the drain, down the toilet. Um, washing cars used by industry. So it's just a very poor mechanism for delivering anything. Yeah. Not that we want to deliver a drug by it. That's why no other drugs are delivered by it. You don't put Lipitor or aspirin or anything like that in there. Well, why would you put toxic fluoride in there and try to tell us it's good for our teeth? Well, that goes to governmental spending. The roads here are diabolical. They're terrible. Couldn't we use the the slush fund for that? Like it's diabolical, these roads. Or how about use it for, for simple things like um, kids' health? Like in, in Scotland in 2001, they formed a um, program, a pilot program called the Child Smile Program. And that was so effective that they ran it out throughout most of the country. And what they do is they start with three-year-old kids. So that'd be in, in daycare or in uh, preschool. And they just start teaching them about their mouth and about their teeth and about teeth health and how to put you know, a little bit of toothpaste on and just rub it and spit it out. But then they take it beyond the teeth. They take it to the whole oral system and then they take it to the whole body and so they teach people about a proper diet as you mentioned and vitamins and minerals importance of vitamin d and all those sorts of things and uh, these kids grow up so much healthier not just their teeth better but so much healthier and then they take that home to their parents and so their parents become healthier so the program was a huge success and you know to get it running it cost a few dollars initially but once it got up and running very cost effective. And of course, down the road, which is which is long past any of the, the lifetime of politicians, four years or whatever they're in, um, down the road, you're saving huge amounts of dollars through public health. Yeah, yeah. It is a good idea whether or not we implement it is another question. Well, that's what we could use that $28 million for. I mean, we could put it directly into, like you said, buying toothpaste and having a little bit of dental care for the poor. And um yeah, there's a lot of uses. Or even use. providing better lunches in the schools. Yeah. My yeah. little boy is 11. He goes to school here in Airdrie. I pack his lunch, but you do have the option to get the lunch in the school. And the hot lunch options are pizza, burger. I'm like, are you for real? This is insane. <laughs> like, how about you use that money to get them some steak and vegetables? Like, yeah. this just does not make sense. And it really makes the wandering mind consider what the agenda is behind it like it's just insane like 28 million let's let's buy a farm and feed all the kids beef <laughs> like that would be a million times better for them plus we get the ionic displacement with the minerals in the beef so mm -hmm. <sighs> did you ever watch the movie by michael moore called where do we invade next yeah yeah did you see that one? Yeah, I did. A lot such of a, ago. Such a good movie. That's one where he took all the American flags and he started in Italy and he, he, he uh, interviewed this young couple, working couple. And he said, they said, well, we're thinking of moving to the States. And uh, they said, um, how many weeks holidays uh, 
do you get in the States? And Michael Moore says, well, either none or two weeks. How many do you get? Well, we start off at four weeks, then we get six weeks if we're really good after a couple of years. And, you know, they go on and on like this. And I'm pretty soon this couple's going, I think we're staying here in Italy. <laughs> so Michael Moore takes a flag and he plants it here. I'm taking all those policies back to America. So yeah. he goes to France. And one of the, the places that he, that he toured and interviewed and videoed was uh, uh, daycare. Uh, daycare and maybe um, elementary into the elementary years. They had a certified chef there cooking lunches for the kids and they had gourmet meals there. And it was all, it wasn't a private school, it was public school. And uh, the kids were just healthy and happy. And, and he says, well, I'm planting an American flag and taking that policy back home. Yeah, and highly intelligent kids and kids not on antidepressants or dealing with mental health issues and all mm. that. There was a, we could go on for a long time talking about this sort of stuff. There's just one more point I want to make before we wrap up here, Shemaine. Um, do you know about the court case in the United States, the federal court case? I think I might have mentioned it, touched on no, it. No, you didn't mention it, no. Okay. Um, anyway, there's a major court case underway in the United States, and it's the Florida Action Network, which I'm a member of. Um, it's um, um, the um, Mums Against Fluoride. It's Environmental Watch. There's a few organizations, uh, a couple of women that were pregnant in Florida. Yeah. Didn't realize, doing a major court case against the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency in the States, that are responsible for keeping toxins out of our water. Mm -hmm. So we're suing them. They're being sued in federal court in the United States for the last seven years it's been going on. And we're winning. Like We've won every step along the way. And we're hoping in January, February of 2024, so just a few months from now, that there will be the final decision on whether they are indeed toxifying our water. Now, the EPA has deep pockets and tons of lawyers and, and whatever, so they'll, if they're ruled against, they will fight this for a long time, I'm sure. So it won't be the absolute, you know, cut and dried into water fluoridation, which it should be. But uh, anyway, it's just interesting that this major court case has gone on for seven years now. And uh, that's where they confirmed that fluoride is a medication in that court case under oath. And our our um, experts just destroyed their people. They're hired guns from Exponent, the organization that the EPA hired. Um, our experts that testified for free just whacked them. Yeah. There was there was no contest. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, the um, federal court case in in California. That is a, that does give people hope. Well, it gives me hope because moms against, and they have lots of different branches now. I heard yeah. some comedians say moms are against everything nowadays. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, they're fighting so much, but I mean, it, it takes a mother and a father to take care of children. But at the end of the day, a lot of the time it is the moms who are making these best health decisions for their children. And moms are saying, no, I've had enough. These are my children. This is my decision. Their health care is not on you. It's on me. So it's great to see that pushback. I did want to ask you one more thing before we, we still have a few minutes. But, um, and I do want to talk about like how we can help you. What's the next steps? But be, I think you mentioned this in our original conversation. Could you just enlighten my audience a little bit on the effects on the cardiovascular system with fluoride? Because yeah. I speak to my women about preventable cardiovascular issues are the leading cause of death in women in first world countries and preventable being the key word there. So I kind of mm -hmm. just want to educate them a little bit on this. Yeah, there's not a lot of really good science there, but fluoride is a tiny aggressive ion. It does get into the cardiovascular system um, and uh, it does cause some damage there. So um, it, well, it just makes sense. Anytime you're putting a, a toxin that's so volatile and tiny, it gets into every cell, every organ, um, it's going to cause some some damage there. So yeah, not a big thing to do. Um, there, just eliminate fluoride. It's, it's quite simple for the heart. Um, more important for the heart is um, some of the treatments that we shall not mention um, for the perhaps a little virus that's been around lately. And um, some of those treatments are highly, highly damaging to the heart mm -hmm. and might be for months or years to come as well. Well, didn't a certain pharmaceutical company make an announcement there two weeks ago that one should not combine certain 
did you call them jobby jobs? <laughs> jib jabs. Jib jabs should not combine certain jib jabs because it increases the occurrence of stroke in elderly people by 50%. Yeah, but that's no big deal. They're old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what about, what about your killing? But it does the same thing, maybe not to that 50% degree, but it does the same damage to kids. There's been kids that are, are less than 10 years old that die from heart. There's teenagers, young athletes dying. I mean, uh, we can't get into that. That's a whole nother topic that we'd have to do off of YouTube. Yeah, maybe on Rumble, we'll do another day. So yeah. okay, what are the next steps for us all to be proactive? Like how can me and my followers help you, my listeners? Um, well, the people in Airdrie specifically should be emailing your mayor and councillors because I'm working with uh, a fellow from Airdrie right now, and we have to have by Friday, so two days from now, uh, I have a PowerPoint made up, and we're uh, we're putting that or we're sending that to Airdrie Council to see if they will put that fluoridation on the agenda because Airdrie people are harmed. Up to fifteen percent or more people have allergies and reactions to fluoride. And that's a lot of people in Airdrie. If you take, say, 10% for round numbers, and what's Airdrie's population now? 100, Almost 90,000. Yeah, say, I think it's getting close to 100. So let's say 10% of 100,000, so that's 10,000 people would be harmed, would be allergic or react to, in some way or another, to fluoride. And Airdrie gets no say in that, because Airdrie, Strathmore, and Chestermere are all on the Calgary system. So whatever Calgary votes for, Airdrie has no say in it, and they get it in the water. They either don't or, or do get it, depending on what Calgary decides. So we're going to present to Airdrie Council with that information, some of the new toxicity information on fluoride, if they will let us. So if people were to email all the councillors and the mayor right away in Airdrie and tell them, you know, there's a lot of harms, this is very dangerous stuff, and maybe we should have some experts to talk about the dangers, um, they're more likely to put us on the agenda for a December 4th, I think it is, Monday the 4th. So the things have to be in, um, yeah, Monday the 4th, December 4th is when the presentation would be if they allow us to present. But it has to be in by this Friday so they can vet it and approve it. So my PowerPoint's ready to go for that presentation. So every people can write to every council, but everybody should be writing, even, even if you're out of province or out of the country, should be writing to Calgary City Council. And just a couple of liners saying, um, fluoride has been shown to cause brain damage, it's neurotoxic, and please don't put it in city water. Mm -hmm. And so... They're not reading any of the science. The city councillors are not reading any of the science. And I assume Airdrie is similar to Calgary in that regard. But they do have this little checklist and you go check. Oh, yeah, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Oh, yeah. Last month, 52 people talked to us about not wanting fluoride. And the month before that, it was 82. And, you know, it adds up. And that's what they unfortunately base a lot of their decisions on. So if there's 100 or 200 people that are talking against it, not wanting it, they pay attention because those are voters. Yeah. So for people looking to reach out to Airdrie's council, you can go to the Airdrie City website and that mm -hmm. should have a list of all the contact details there. Um, people are pretty proactive here. Well, I definitely saw that through the narrative, those proactive people. So maybe someone... Because I know people are proactive, but they also get distracted and lazy. So maybe someone will take on the initiative to just create a template and everyone can copy and paste and sign it and email it. And that would then help people get it done too. But we need- but You really, really don't need a template. You just need the address is all, is all you need. And just your own words is, is more effective. You know, I've studied this. I've looked at it. I don't want poisons in our water. Yeah. So, you know, if you go on our Safe Water Calgary website, we have uh, a lot of the information on there, too. And uh, usually the addresses for the city councillors there. But um, with city, city of Calgary, all you have to do is just look on their website, uh, click on the city clerk, and there's a, a little information box there. And so you can send what your message, whatever you want, to the city clerk and just ask them to distribute it to the mayor and all uh, 14 councillors. So you don't even have to do every separate one. When I do a mail out, um, like there's a two minute video from a great um, American dentist last week. And so I sent that to each counselor individually, you know, so I say, you know, hi, Sonia, or hi, uh, Jian, or whatever. And uh, um, 
hope you're doing well. Here's this two powerful two minute video. So I send it directly to them, to each one of the 14 councillors, directly to the mayor, and always CC it to the city clerk as well. And do you attach a read report, let you know when they've actually read it? <laughs> no, probably should. You should see. So is Cochrane also included on the Calgary water system? Cochrane? Yeah. No. No, they've never been fluoridated. They've um, been fairly progressive over their years and they've uh, never been fluoridated. So do they have their own detached water set up there? Yeah, they have, they have their own system, unlike Airdrie and Strathmore and Chestermere. That's interesting because that's Cochrane is pretty close to Calgary. It's it's closer almost than Airdrie is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same proximity really. But no, they've um, they've not done it. Huh. And same with Okotoks. We've helped Okotoks fight and they fought off the pro-fluoridationists down there with our assistance. And so they're not fluoridated as well. But they're trying to push into all those places. Like Vancouver, a couple of years ago, just after we lost the, the fluoridation vote in the plebiscite, um, Vancouver came up with this big article in CBC. And the headline was, Vancouver's kids' teeth are falling out of their heads, says dentist. Okay, we kind of looked at that and went, that's funny because 98% unfluoridated Vancouver's teeth are better in kids than Toronto's, which are 70% fluoridated. So, you know, I mean, that didn't make sense. So we looked into it and that was a, a saying, a, a quote from a dentist in 1975 that made that quote, Vancouver's kids' teeth are falling out of their heads. Well, they weren't then and they aren't now. <laughs> Mm, well, you know, clickbait and all that. The fear, yes. fear makes people exactly. do crazy things. So is there anything else you want to kind of finish up with, touch on anything we should know? I will include all the links in the description, but also in my posts once I share this. Yeah, have people look at our website, safewatertocalgary.com. It's a really good website. There's lots of science on it. There's Just look at the 10 memes that we have rolling across the top every five seconds. Those memes are great. They're produced by one of our uh, um, local people here in Calgary. She's very talented with artists and art things. And uh, so these memes are great. Um, also, I'm the chair of Fluoride Free Canada, which is the same essential website, flor fluoridefreecanada.ca. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a really good website there too. So we're just trying, trying to keep things, keep an eye on things all across Canada and put out fires when we can. And uh, so those are two really good websites. But if you want the most science, if you want to spend the next two years reading the science on fluoride, Fluoride Action Network, which is FAN out of um, New York, the, theirs is um, fluoridealert.org. Fluoride Alert, all yeah, one word. I have it there. Yeah. yeah. So FAN is a really good one. That, that has the most volume of, of pro and anti-fluoride um, information and science. So, yeah, we've covered a lot of bases here. I think we've touched on most things. So um, I thank you if for having me If people wanted to reach out to you directly, do you, do you want that? Or do you want people to contact me and I'll send them to you? Or uh, For what sort of thing? So, yes, if people yeah. wanted you to come speak or I don't know, a lot of people listen to this podcast. So you never know. Mm -hmm. I may or might call you up. Yeah, for personal conversations or whatever, it's a little hard because I have I'm swamped and flooded already with things. But if yeah, if anyone wants uh, any sort of speaking engagement, any further information, I mean, you can get the information on our websites. But um, yeah, if, if there's um, something that I could do to help um, either Airdrie or Strathmore or or Chestermere or in, in another town in Alberta that's thinking of Florida, I'd be glad to talk to them. Sure. Okay, you're gonna be a busy man. So hopefully this makes a difference. I know I've this was actually several of my clients requested to get you back on because they're like, what's happening? We need an update. So people are interested. So not in Calgary or Airdrie until probably my feeling is you thought maybe June of 2024. I think it's November of 2024 or even later. And they're gonna spend at least, in my opinion, at least $30 million of well, that's our taxpayers. It's not your Airdrie tax dollars. It's Calgary taxpayers. But $30 million plus taxpayers money to put this toxin in our water. Yeah, well, it gives us time. It gives us time to not only try to fight it, but try to also get people healthier in the meantime. Yeah, so thank you for the work that you do. It's really important to holistically look at health. And so fluoridation is just a little piece of that. Um, jib jabs are a bigger piece. but basically let's get people back to eating well um 
Can I send you my list of Dr. Bob's 18 uh, health and immune tips? Uh, I think I sent it to you in the past, but I have a 2023 updated list. Mm-hmm. That I'm actually, they're, they're taking me, uh, it's another case with the College of Physicians and Surgeons um, to try to <laughs> shut me down for, for telling people to walk, exercise, meditate, use vitamin D3, K2, zinc, magnesium. You know, <laughs> they're trying to shut that down too. So we're not supposed to treat people. So, um, well, no, you're supposed to do what you're told. Yes, exactly. So these are my views, not the views of the College of Physicians and Surgeons or of any of my fellow physicians. <laughs> well, there. send email them to me and I'll share them with my group. And I also want Thank to you. send you the conversation that I had with Lynn Farrow. I don't know if you know who she is. She's the author of The Iodine Crisis. Oh, yeah. Um, I had a conversation with Lynn back in May or June. I think you would really enjoy that conversation. Just we touched on iodine a little bit and I mentioned ionic mimicry and displacement so i'm going to send you that to just check out thank you send me the link yes thank you all right well this has been great it's always a pleasure chatting with you and thank you for putting this out into the world and um, between you and me and all around us we're going to make this a better world we're going to be healthier and happier and live longer as long as we have our voices and our freedom of thought we can still make a difference we still have a chance yeah so danielle smith is going to stand up for that if we stand up for her she'll stand up for us for that hopefully (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you dr bob it's been a pleasure thanks for your time thanks jermaine